All right, so welcome everyone to the Parkies podcast. Um, I can't thank everyone enough for the overwhelmingly positive feedback that I've gotten in such a short period of time. And which is really funny just because I didn't even know this podcast was going to be a thing until yesterday. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was just a random idea and I just kind of just went with it. I am stuck in quarantine boredom right now, as is the case for many of us as we fight this pandemic from coronavirus, the quarantine, lockdown, social distancing situation, whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't want to get into that too much just because let's focus on the happy thoughts here. Uh, We'll get through it. We'll make it. We'll be fine. Uh, It's going to take a while though, so just hang in there for those of you that are listening. But yeah, um, to kind of ease my quarantine boredom and I do have things that I'm doing at home that I am trying to keep myself busy with Um, I have the ability to work from home and I've been doing that for about a month and a half now Um, I'm in the corporate world as I work as a marketing assistant for a local insurance company it's a great gig and uh, we've been blessed to be able to work from home as we go through this whole situation and that's what I've been doing most of the time and outside of that i just try to keep myself busy with some of my other hobbies i like to focus on but even those kind of get monotonous and boring after a while so trying to spice it up a little bit trying to find something new and the idea of a podcast you know sounded really cool just because like oh like yeah that'd be awesome to kind of get that out there and talk about something but what what the heck do i talk about that's that was my question and so the idea for this podcast just came out of the blue um, the other day while I was driving the Texas Roadhouse on my way to get those awesome uh, rolls with cinnamon butter that we all know and love from Texas Roadhouse. And I was driving and this term, this name popped into my head and the name was the Parkies Podcast. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, okay, now I know what I can talk about. I'm just going to talk about the national parks. So... Here I am. Here's the podcast. I reached out to a few friends that might be interested in joining me on a podcast to talk about some experiences and some uh, some perspectives that I'm, I'm really excited about. But it all just kind of came together in such a short period of time. And after announcing it, like, you know, people are just excited to, to kind of hear this or think it's a great idea. So thank you to everyone that decided to just like look at that uh, the post that I made about this and you know, if you're listening to this, uh, thank you for giving it a shot to listening to me. Um, I really hope that anyone that does listen to this thing, um, that you get a kick out of some of the stories that I'm going to share that I'm going to talk to with other people because some of them are funny. Some of them are great. And I think, you know, a lot of people should hear them, but also my main goal for this podcast is to talk about the parks, talk about the park community, what makes them special for us and kind of hear people's different perspectives on these places. Um, I've worked in two national parks. Um, I've worked in the Grand Canyon and Glacier National Park. And I was in the park circuit for about uh, just under two years. Um, But right now, since September of 2019, after I finished my season in Glacier that summer, my second summer, um, I came back home to Pennsylvania. um, And I joined the corporate world. I needed a little bit of stability because, you know, getting up, moving around to different parks got a little old for me after a while, though I did enjoy it. Um, I just needed some stability. So here I am. Uh, I've been in Pennsylvania for about 
um, whatever, how long it is, um, since September of 2019. And like I said, I've been working from home for about a month and a half. And, you know, this podcast is a way to talk about the parks, share experiences that I've had with others or kind of hear other people's perspectives because I would really love to have, you know, some strangers, some people that I've never met on this podcast to hear what they have to say. And if you... You know, if you're interested and want to join me on a podcast, shoot me a message. Um, I'll put my Facebook details at the end of the podcast so you guys can reach out to me. Um, But if you're using the app, Anchor.fm, you can also send me a voice message and let me know. But uh, I would love to hear from you guys. But anyway, on today's episode, for the first episode, I have my very, very good buddy, Joe Koning, as my guinea pig to test this out for me and see how it goes. Um, I have no idea how this is going to go what we're going to talk about, or in general, like, what's going to happen. Um, Joe is like a brother to me. We met in our my first summer in Glacier in 2018, and we met through a a separate organization called a Christian Ministry of National Parks, or ACMMP as I like to call it, and we'll talk about that in the episode. You'll get to hear about that uh, briefly, but we have done so much. We have seen so much and experienced so much together that we have a plethora of stories we can share with each other. So I am super excited to talk to him. I love hearing his voice. I talk to him regularly. So without further ado, let's hear and share some experiences with my good buddy, Joe. All right, so Joe, my buddy, my guy, my bubba's, the domestic partner of my life, indirectly. (laughs) Um, welcome, man. <laughs> Thanks for um, kind of being my guinea pig on this thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm happy yeah. to do it. Yeah, man. How I you guys... Uh... You, uh, when you messaged me about it, it sounds like a great idea. So. Yeah, I was really surprised at the um, the feedback I got like almost right away, just like announcing it as a thing, because like, I didn't even think yeah. it was going to be a thing. But, yeah. Um, yeah, now I'm doing it, so I'm kind of... I'm in it. Yep. Yep. All right. So, Absolutely. like, how are you how are you guys holding up out there as far as lockdown in the uh, in the canyon right now? Uh, you know, things are things are all right. Um, you just opened the first beer of the day, so you know things are going well. Uh, okay. I mean, it's, okay, I'll, I'll give I'll give you that. It's after. I mean, it's afternoon, so you know, I I think it's it's reasonable. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> what's the uh, what's the beer of choice today? It's a Tower Station IPA, fresh from Arizona. So, okay. I mean, obviously, I don't uh, know yeah. what that is, but <laughs> you know, we really can't complain here at all because, I mean, we're we're trapped in a national park, so you know, trapped is one way to look at it. But I, kind of the way I've been looking at it is, we get a national park to ourselves for you know two months, and it's really hard to complain. They're feeding us for free. They're letting us live here for free until everything opens back up. Um, and then national park service decided they were okay with us day hiking. Um, so we get to hike in the green Canyon with no tourists, just us. Um, it's a pretty surreal experience. Like in the last three years of living in the parks, I've never really experienced something like this where the, the normal like day to day life has been completely interrupted and we get to experience the park in a way that almost nobody ever gets to. So uh, it's really hard to complain. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I mean, like, I'm glad they're, like, Zantara is taking the steps to, you know, take care of you guys. Because, I mean, there's, it's not like they can't take care of you. They got, like, hundreds of employees that are kind of, like, without, you know, without a place to go. They can't go anywhere. So, yeah. Um, But I'm glad to hear they open up the trails because, like, that's, you know, that's. I mean, oh, it's huge. How many times have you gone down to the river by now? Uh, so I haven't been down to the river yet, but I've taken the opportunity. We've done a good chunk of hermits. Uh, you know, we've done. I've done like three or four just small hikes down uh, down South Kaibab for sunset. Um, lots of walks on the rim. I think that's something that's really that's kind of been captivating more than the trails is walking the rim with nobody on the rim. Um, mm. you know, because that's where most people spend most of their time at the canyon is right along the rim. So getting to walk that and not see anybody for two hours is is pretty cool. Yeah, that's like um, that that almost reminds me of like how it was when um, being one of the first over to uh, the many side when that opened up and uh, this past season getting to open up and like yeah, yeah. The hotel and it's like nothing going on there. It was. It was spoiling. Like you get to see yeah. the park without any tourists and like only a handful of employees that are like set to open up this place. And mm. it's just, it's just surreal. It's going to be really, I feel like jarring to go back to normal. I feel, especially for the people here, you know, if the park does open up this summer, uh, the influx of people that will be here, it'll be, it'll be jarring. You know, you get a small community of, you know, about 1500 people right now. And you then invite the, the, the populace back in. It'll be a, it'll be an experience to be sure. I'm, I'm it's, I'm not sure I'm going to like it. You know, it's, I'm going to be used to having everything to myself. So. Well, I mean, you're, you're not going to be there for too much longer. You're hopefully not. Soon, yeah. Hopefully. Okay. So. Yeah. You're probably still waiting to hear back as far as like, what's going on with that. Yeah. The, the whole coronavirus has really thrown a wrench. In, I feel like, all seasonal workers life. I mean, right. you talk about unexpected and, and really just, yeah. Messing with uh, the way that we live. It's, it's, it's kind of scary. It's, you know, when you, when you live season to season, park to park, it, uh, it's scary not knowing if you're going to have to find another job doing something else. Um, yeah, it's interrupting, uh, no, I mean not. I mean it's interrupting things for everyone, but it, it's especially disjarring, dis, you know, disruptive for for I feel like seasonal employees. Yeah, and I'm seeing I'm seeing now just like with the whole like people trying to get unemployment and like those that have worked in like different states. How oh, it's that's so weird. Yeah, you know, I I applied for unemployment in three states. Um, finally got accepted with Arizona. It's yeah, it was a process. Oh man, I mean, I'm I'm just glad you guys are are hanging in there for the time being. I mean, that's really all you can do. Um, I mean, yeah, I would love to see what it's like with no tourists there, especially in the canyon, because of how just jam packed that place is. Yeah, I looked at it. I looked at the. I was looking over the numbers this morning just to kind of get a feel for it, and I mean. 2018, it was 6.2 million visitors. Last year, um, the number was kind of vague. It was just under six. But I mean, with six million visitors a year, you know, a year-round park, having nobody here, it's <laughs> it's pretty nice. So, yeah, amen to that. All right, so yeah, so 
kind of what I want to move on to here. Um, got a couple different questions for you, things that we can uh, talk about and just see where the wind blows on this. But uh, before we get into all that, let's uh, give the people some, like a b- brief background on Joe, like, you know, where you grew up, uh, you know, you kind of like your upbringing and like how, sure. you know, um, kind of go into like, you know, what's fueled your outdoor passion and what got you into the parks. Sure. Sure. Uh, well, Joe, uh, Joe was born on June the 20th, 1995, uh, in Bedford, no, <laughs> we won't go into, <laughs> you know, blow by blow, but, uh, was born in the, the States, but, uh, spent most of my life, uh, before the age of 18, uh, living internationally, um, four and a half years in Japan, uh, 12 and a half years in Kazakhstan, um, in Central Asia, uh, my parents were workers overseas. My mom was a, a principal of an international school. My dad worked uh, in social work. And so I spent my formative years growing up um, living in a, in a culture, not the United States. Um, so yeah, I kind of had an a interesting time when I turned, uh, turned 18, came back to the United States to go to college. Um, growing up, I really got used to, to saying goodbye a lot, you know, coming and going constantly went to a small international school about 250 kids uh so by the time i got to to college i was used to saying goodbye but that was a definitely a uh a culture shock moment coming back to uh my passport country and settling in adjusting to to life in the u.s and uh went to school on the, the east coast uh liberty university in virginia and after three and a half years was just really really struggling uh struggling to find community, struggling to feel like I was connecting. Um, then uh, I was really kind of hit, hit a low um, and kind of myself having uh, only a couple of options. I was going to quit school and join the military or quit school and move to Alaska or quit school and get two jobs and just, you know, forget about school and, and try to work. Um, and uh, I was looking at jobs in Alaska ended up uh, applying with an organization uh, called the Christian Machine Mission Coach that uh, provided an opportunity to come work at the Grand Canyon. And uh, I jumped on it right away. Uh, it felt like an escape from just, you know, failing classes and monotonous work of, uh, of hotel life. I, I got a job working for, for Hilton while I was in college. And so that hospitality background provided with uh, Christian Ministry in the National Parks just gave me this uh, this out, and I uh, I jumped on it and I I the summer of 2017 moved to the Grand Canyon, uh, Northern Arizona, somewhere that I'd been once before, but when I was just a kid, and I uh, started working working at a uh, pretty prestigious hotel here at the South Rim of the Grand Canyon, uh, working in the front desk of the El Tabar, and man, I just fell in love with it. Uh, growing up where I grew up in Kazakhstan, we were at the the base of, you know, 13,000 to 23,000 foot peaks. And so we camped a lot. We, we didn't hike a ton, but we, we definitely spent a good amount of time in the summers, especially just camping uh, in the mountains. And so I felt like being here really reignited my love for the outdoors. You know, and when you live in the parks, uh, you know, most people don't don't know that this is even really an option you you show up to the national parks and then you realize oh there's a bunch of people that live and work here uh (laughs) and yeah you know i just fell in love with this place because 
it's so simple. Um, it, most of the parks don't have access to, to stable Wi-Fi. Most parks don't have access to stable cell signal. So you you unplug in a in an incredibly beautiful place, and there's opportunities to be outside and to hike every day. Uh, and then there's the people that live and work here. They're just it's this incredible community. You know the the national park. It's made up of the couple different groups you have the national park service you have the uh the contractors the concessionaires that uh win bids to to operate lodging operations and different uh different amenities in the national parks and here we've got zantera the national park service delaware north you have this just really cool amalgamation just melting pot of people uh and when you don't have anything else to do you don't have wi-fi you don't have tv you don't have cell service you get to know people and you get to know people on the trails uh, you get to know people in your dorm. And so, yeah, I just really fell in love with the lifestyle. Uh, and after that summer, the itch was, was set deep and been coming back, uh, been coming back ever since. Yeah, man. I mean, that's, I mean, you basically touched on everything that, you know, anyone who has worked in the park or, you know, experienced the park in the ways that we have, like has felt that or experienced that. And like, like you said, like when you don't have that access to, you know, internet or any like the the amenities that we take for granted, like literally every day, like, yeah, like people are like your, are your option to like connect and to learn more. And like, what what's crazy to me is just like the, the spectrum of people that like we've gotten to meet, um, like aside from you, like the international students, like the J1 visa program. And for those who haven't worked in the parks, um, the J1 visa program is basically a program for where, foreign exchange students can come over to fulfill part of their university requirements to work in the national parks yeah. and to uh, come to America and work, which is really awesome. They get a chance to, uh, you know, experience America in like a whole new way uh, for either a season or an extended period of time. And then they go back home and uh, that's kind of what they do. And some of them get to come back um, into the same spots and, you know, continue working in the parks. But um, generally like, you know, especially those international students, like when you perform like a bond and a friendship with them, like see them, seeing them leave sucks. Cause like, who's got, who's got the money to like drop on airline tickets to go over and like see those people like on a regular basis. Absolutely, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I, mean, uh, I mean, yeah, it's the, the, the hardest reality of, of working, I think in the national parks is there is a finite time on the majority of the relationships that you have. Um, there's, there's an end date, uh, you sign contracts, uh, especially with the, the J1s, our, our, our foreign exchange students, you know, they're, they at some point are going to have to return to their country, their home country and, and finish their degrees and, you know, continue building their resumes. And, uh, yeah, it's so difficult, you know, but I think that's something that makes it so sweet as well. And so intense. And some of the friendships that we've made here are, are as strong as they are because we knew there was an end date and that, you know, instead of driving us apart, I think forced us all closer together. And in a lot of ways, we, we only had so much time to get to know each other. So we went deep fast. Yeah. And like the thing, the thing with those contract end dates too, is like, especially in seasonal jobs and like in Glacier and whatnot, is like you, you start out the season so strong, like, uh, yeah, this is awesome. Like, you know, you had that high enthusiasm and like, to some extent throughout the entire season, you carry that enthusiasm. But as far as like, you know, dealing with tourists and guests <laughs> and whatnot, like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that curve drops off like to the deep end. 
the closer and closer you get to the uh, end of the season and like the end of your contract date. And then it's like, Oh, like I can't wait to be done. Like I'm sick of this, like sick of dealing with tourists, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then like the end date gets there and you're like, well, crap, like this sucks. Yeah. I got to say bye to people. I got to <laughs> leave. It's yeah. like, it's one of the most bittersweet feelings like I've ever encountered. Like, um, Absolutely. Like in anything, it's just like you you want it to be done, but like you don't want it to be done at the same time. And I'm sure like so many people can relate to that. It's just like it's that catch twenty two there. Oh, absolutely. You we're grateful for the jobs at the beginning because they're giving us the opportunity to be there. But then you get like halfway through the season and you're just annoyed a lot of the time because you could be, you know, exploring the park, you could be hanging out with friends. And so it's it's almost in the way, but we keep coming back because, again, the job provides the opportunity. But it is that really hard balance of, you know, you get so burnt out so quickly answering the same questions day in and day out. Uh, but you do it for the people, right? Yeah, and like you touched on it earlier that like you know so many people don't even know like this is an option to even go out and work here, even though it's like it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um, like obviously people have to work there for these things to operate, but like people just don't think about working there. And yeah. like, I, I get it. Like, you know, people are, like have, have lived their life in their own way and like, don't really think about these experiences. And like, they see at themselves as even visiting a national park as like a once in a lifetime experience. And for a lot of people, that's how it is. Cause like the amount of like foreign tourism that like people come just to see our parks is like, yeah, is unreal and like that, that's another part of the beauty of like you know dealing with people and meeting people is just like that spectrum of sure. diversity that you get to you get to deal with on a regular basis yeah. um and i say deal with loosely just because like you you and i have like of all people know just like how certain types of like guests and tourists can be mm. in so many different situations because uh you i mean you worked at the alta bar the front desk yep. um it was summer of 2018, and then um, I eventually got to work there in our time together in 2018, 2019, and, like, the the level, like, there's something about that demographic that is, like, so different. Um, I feel like it's a little more snooty. I don't know if you'd, like, agree with me on that. Yeah, I think it, it you know, we talk about parks all a lot being similar in a sense because there is a lifestyle that's that's similar for, I think, for the employees specifically. But there are differences between each park and each season. Um, you, you see differences. You know, for Dalton and I, we've worked uh, in Glacier National Park in Montana and here at the Grand Canyon. There are stark differences in the, the clientele that we see coming through. You know, in Glacier, it's a much more remote park. Uh, it's far northeast Mo- or northwest Montana, right on the border with Canada. Uh, it's a mountainous region. It's hard to get to in terms of travel. Uh and it's a lesser known park in the sense of it's it's not not really hit the mainstream in terms of places to go and visit tourist wise uh, until the last five years or so. Whereas the Grand Canyon for many years has been bucket list items for for millions of people. And so the, I feel like the clientele at the the Grand Canyon is is a little bit more used to the creature comforts. They're a little bit more entitled. Uh, it's it's easy to get to the Grand Canyon in sense. You know, you can fly into Phoenix, you can fly into Vegas. Uh, it's more centrally located. People accidentally end up at the Grand Canyon all the time. Whereas with Glacier, you have to be really intentional about getting to that park. And so you see a difference in, in, in people for sure. Uh, I feel like also Glacier's 
much more geared towards outdoor enthusiasts who want to hike, want to backpack. Uh, whereas the Grand Canyon is, you know, people come for the views and then realize that there's hiking here. So yeah, you definitely do see a little bit of a difference there. Uh, and I, I, I think you're right. I think people who end up at the Canyon are a little bit more snooty, a little bit more entitled. Uh, they're looking for, for some creature comforts, certainly. And, and that's you. And just like, yeah, like you mentioned the hiking part and like, it just baffled my mind. Like, cause like, what's, what's the uh, statistic as far as like, was it less than 10% oh, of people, people actually who go hike down? At the can- yeah. So it's, it's actually, it's less than 1% of the people who visit the Grand Canyon hike into the Canyon. So, uh, Wow. The Grand Canyon is, it's not the largest national park in the lower 48. It's certainly one of the larger national parks in the lower 48. Uh, you have nine trails at the Grand Canyon, uh, eight of which lead into the canyon itself. You have other trails as well, but nine, nine named trails. Um, but then, yeah, less than 1% of the people that visit the Grand Canyon step foot below the rim of the canyon itself, um, which is just a really incredible statistic when you, you think the canyon is you know, a mile deep, uh, in some places, you know, 11 miles wide, it, it, it's kind of mind blowing that you come and look at it, but you don't go into it. Well, yeah. And like, and then a part of that 1%, I feel like, you know, there's only like 0.001% that actually are prepared to go down there. And you have like oh, absolutely. the other 0.99% that like are going down their Jansport backpacks. Um, <laughs> They're yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. Converse and they're like like Gucci pants or like whatever, just like ill prepared and like for those that like you know that haven't been to the canyon or like work there, like the common saying there is down is optional, up is mandatory, which basically means the further you go down, the mandatory amount you gotta come back up. Yeah. And people do not get that whatsoever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's a it's a very interesting thing to to see people come here. And then go into the canyon, and the 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 running joke is always that if you want to get away from people, you just go into the canyon because there's not going to be anyone down there. Uh, in the summer months, the busy season, you do have people who who hike, uh, but you go a mile and a half down, two miles down, and you know seeing people, you just don't you don't see people as often, and uh, it's just because people, yeah, who do tip their toes in the water, don't go that far down. So then you get to the river, and you you run into to real hikers, real outdoor enthusiasts, backpackers who have planned, prepared. And then sometimes not. Sometimes you get down there and there's a guy in jeans with a, a little Nalgene bottle that's half full and that's all he's got. And, <laughs> you know, that's when when, <laughs> when you, you get a little worried for people. But uh, yeah. Well, that, that was like, I mean, that's like um, when we did our, our uh, rim to rim to rim. And <laughs> We ran into that father-son duo. Yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> what was, it was like 11.30, 12 o'clock at night. We're coming up the trail. We're 36, 37 miles in. And uh, we run into this father-son, and they're wearing jeans. And they've got a handheld flashlight. And they're carrying a pop-up tent from Walmart. <laughs> And it's just like, where, what, why, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> oh man. And I think it was, I think it was the, the son that asked was like, how far are we from, are we from the campsite? Yeah. And we told him like, oh, you're like two and a half miles away. And they just kept on going. They kept on trucking. <laughs> <just> like, yeah. <laughs> that's like, we even said like, that's one of those things where like, you know, 
father-son bonding moment like hey son like, let's go hike the grand canyon like sure yeah. dad yeah sounds like a great idea and like they're they were probably having some uh some type two kind of fun oh absolutely absolutely and um for for those who like who don't know either um we're talking about rim to rim to rim um it's one of the i really don't know how well known it is by people outside of like the hiking slash, slash yeah. backpacking community i mean if um, you if you google you know top 10 hikes in america oftentimes most people will include rim to rim to rim in that that backpacking list um yeah 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 i mean so i mean for those who like don't know what we're talking about there's basically two versions of it you have the rim to rim which is you know, you start in either the north or the south rim of the canyon, and you hike from one side to the other. And one way, it's 23 miles, roughly. Yeah. Um, and most people, the challenge is, like, to get do that in a day. And, like, it's it's a challenge in itself, you know, especially depending on, like, what time of year you do it. Because I definitely wouldn't want to do it in the summertime just because like, it gets, what, like, 15, 20 degrees hotter at the bottom of the canyon than, like, on the Oh, rim. easily, easily, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, we did our rim to rim to rim, which is – you know, we started from the south rim, hiked down up to the north rim and hiked back within 24 hours. Um, and we started, uh, it was like 1130 at night and it was April. So we had, it, the weather was perfect. I'm so grateful for that weather. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, round trip, you're, you're talking 45, 46 miles, like done in uh, less than 24 hours. And, you know, doing it with you guys was definitely like, the highlight i couldn't like see myself doing <laughs> yeah. it with anyone else but... yeah <laughs> yeah doing it after, I mean, we, um... after doing it with you guys and then doing it solo it is uh it is definitely easier to do it with people because <laughs> yeah, you almost got you almost got hypothermia <laughs> time you did it by yourself because you did it in november after it snowed while it was snowing <laughs> while it was snowing yeah 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 i mean oh, so, yeah two crossings of the canyon you're talking 11,000 feet of elevation gain. Uh, so you're losing roughly 11,000 feet going down twice, gaining 11,000 feet coming up twice. Uh, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely something that most people bite off as a backpacking trip. Uh, and it is, it's an incredible backpacking trip. You know, you do it two or three days, you spend, you know, really beautiful, beautiful days in the Canyon, uh, depending on the weather and nights are, are cool and, you get to see the stars in a way that you've never seen them before. Uh, there's no light pollution at the bottom of the canyon. You can see the Milky Way stretching across. It's it's incredible. Uh, but yeah, that was. I think that's yeah. Talking about memories and, and hikes in the parks. That's definitely uh, up there as is one of the uh, the funnest, stupidest, most difficult things I've ever done. But oh, oh yeah, hands down, like the probably one of the most challenging thing I've ever done, and. I mean, like we, I mean, we managed it pretty well. I mean, besides the fact of me, like just the slots, like breaking <laughs> me mentally. Just like... There's a section of the, the canyon. Uh, it's called the, uh, the box is what it reads on the maps. Uh, we like to call it the slots because it's just these series of, of slot canyons coming off the Colorado River, going up the, the north rim of the Grand Canyon on the, the North Kaibab Trail. And it's about, it's about three and a half, four miles of just monotonous slot canyons. You're along the, the bright angel Creek. Um, but it's just, it, it all kind of looks the same. It all blends together. Uh, you've got these tall 80, 90 foot, uh, granite walls that are just, you know, towering over you. And, and it, 
it, you can really kind of lose sense of time and distance because everything kind of feels the same. And so the first time through, we went, we got up the North Rim. Uh, we were fine. It was in the dark for the most part, uh, but we were we had a really good pace going, and we were only about four or five hours into our hike. Uh, and then we get to uh, we get to the the slots the second time around, and we're coming down. And uh, Dalton is a little bit behind uh, Izzy and I, um, the other friend that that did the hike with us. And uh, eventually, we pushed through, and it was about mid afternoon, late afternoon. We get to yeah. Phantom Ranch. Uh, Izzy and I are about probably five, six minutes ahead of Dalton. And we, we collapse at Phantom Ranch, uh, which is right at the, the bottom of the, the canyon. It's the halfway point, really. Uh, we're refilling water. We're resting our feet. And Dalton comes trucking in. He's broken a trekking pole. Uh, so he only has one trekking pole. And he just, as soon as he gets into Phantom Ranch, he just chucks his trekking pole like 15 feet away. And just his voice cracks he's like never thought it was gonna end and izzy and i was like oh no <laughs> we've broken <down. laughs> oh no <laughs> i mean i i was perfectly fine after i had my uh, my fettuccine alfredo back yeah that was that was a moment where i i realized man i goofed i goofed hard <laughs> you, you guys definitely goofed i mean like well, I mean, we were, we were surviving and thriving off of sports beans and like, yeah, you know, if, if I get like a chance to like do a sponsor for sports beans on this podcast, <laughs> I will do that in a heartbeat. 100%. 100%. <laughs> they are the best thing I've ever had. Folks, when it, it comes to like yeah. making snack. watermelon sports beans. It's uh, it's, it's a real thing. Jelly beans that are infused with electrolytes, caffeine, amino acids. It's a perfect hiking snack. Keeps you fresh on the trail. I mean, like, we must have had at least, like, you know, each of us had, like, at least uh, a combination of, like, 10 sports beans and goo packs. Yeah. Probably more. Yeah. On that hike that we prepared oh, I, for. Yeah, and... I crushed, I think I, I brought 15 goo packets on that hike, and I think I finished it with two left. So. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's it was much needed, but, I mean, but, yeah, like, fettuccine Alfredo, backpackers pantry, probably the best dehydrated meal that you're ever going to get. or It's on the market, period. Yeah. Um, yeah, we I mean, could do we could do a whole podcast on on trail food, like what to eat on the trail, uh, best food combinations on trail, best uh, sugar mixes for some quick glucose in the blood. You know how to stay hydrated, dude. <laughs> let's 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 plan on that because that could be like an interesting story on a zone, especially if we get Jonathan on. Oh, to, absolutely. Uh, talk about his snack mixes. Oh, dude, <laughs> the best and the worst. <laughs> <laughs> was like doritos uh spicy um crunches and uh sour patch cakes. yeah yeah and then like sweetest <laughs> fish and oh man you, you, yeah some weird stuff some weird stuff oh my gosh i mean great great times in the canyon great times um in glacier as well which is like you know where we you know that's where we first met we yeah. um so we talked about you know um, you mentioned a Christian Minister International Parks ACMP that you know you got started with and to get you to, into your first summer at the canyon yeah. and you were itching to go back. So you went up, signed up and applied for um ACMP a second time. Yeah. And that was uh, my first time applying. And I had heard about ACMP from a complete stranger at a uh, young adults like uh, Christian conference in Kansas City. And immediately it was like, yo, that's for me. So I got accepted and we were at the April um, conference, the yeah. you know, kind of like the gathering to get us prepared. And like, 
Joe, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> even though I didn't know who you were, um, I specifically remember, like, I didn't know it was you at the time or, like, that you were going to be on my on the team with me and Jonathan. But I remember Dave Degler walking across the stage to, like, you know, introduce himself and, like, open up the conference. And, like, as he's being introduced, everyone's clapping and someone behind me is just like, Dave, Dave, <laughs> Dave, Dave. And I'm like... <laughs> It's like it's this red bearded like guy with a hat, and I'm just like, God, that guy's annoying. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. that's fair. And then come to find out, like, oh, this guy's on my team for uh, for Glacier. So it's like, oh, all right, that's that's great. That's unfortunate. Um, but yeah, <laughs> um, um, yeah, that was our our introduction to each other. Yeah, like, like man, like. I don't know, like, I want to hear, like, that experience, like, from, from your perspective, yeah. as far as, like, us meeting and then, like, you know, what kind of ensued um, throughout that summer, like, together. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I spent the, the summer of 2017 at the Grand Canyon. Um, I left uh, in that fall, and I went back to Virginia, and I, I finished my degree. Um, but I, after, after spending a summer here, there's there no part of me that, that wanted to stay in, uh, in Virginia. Uh, and so I, uh, I, I reapplied for ASMMP, um, and, uh, I, I was kind of indecisive of where I wanted to end up. Uh, part of me wanted to come back to the Grand Canyon. Uh, but then I, uh, I also wanted to potentially explore other parks and I had a couple other friends that were, were looking to go back to the parks as well. So we kind of made a short list of places that we'd like to end up and, uh, Glacier ended up on, uh, on my number one and my number one spot. And so, uh, ended up, yeah, at the conference in, in April, uh, getting ready to, to go to, to Glacier for the summer of 2018. Uh, and for me, the, the conference, uh, in a lot of ways, wasn't so much about, uh, meeting my team as it was reconnecting with old team members, uh, Sorry, sorry, Dalton. You were you were my number one priority. Yeah, I mean, it's it's okay to be like unimportant. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of the some of those friendships from the summer of 2017 um, really became some of the closest people in my life, and I was so eager to reconnect with them. And um, and there was that the aspect of meeting my new team for the for the coming summer. And uh, so yeah, that conference I spent the majority of the time. Uh, reconnecting with some old friends i met dalton and jonathan uh kind of got an idea of okay this is you know it 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 was kind of a a really big transition for me because the the people that i interacted with here at the canyon it was a group of about 10 or or 12 you know people i was it's a bigger group and then yeah kind of ramping up for a summer where you and uh, jonathan uh were going to be kind of the people in my my corner my back pocket my my close friends um, yeah, it was kind of a transition, but, uh, from the, from the conference, getting to the park, uh, you ended up at many glacier before Jonathan, either Jonathan or I, uh, and so going into it and knowing at least one person, uh, was, was incredibly helpful. Um, well, no, Jonathan was actually, he was the only other team member that I knew of that was going to be placed there. I thought it was just going to be me. And really? Him. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, because um, I when I first met him, like it was, they were picking us up from the airport. And we were sitting in in Denver Airport, and um, I had seen the name of like you know the list of the teams and who's going to be on the teams, and I saw this guy, this name Jonathan Vasquez, and I was like, okay, so there's at least one other person, and then um, this you know kind of Hispanic looking man <laughs> walked up to our group, 
and uh, <laughs> overly um, charismatic. Yeah, going to? Yeah, charismatic. Like, oh, my name is Jonathan. <laughs> um, but now, yeah, he walked up and he, uh, we asked, like, you know, what park are you going to? He's like, oh, I'm going to Many Glacier. I was like, hey, me too. I'm like, you must be Jonathan. Or like, that's how we, so we kind of met. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was a, yeah, it was a, it was a quick start to the summer. I feel like, I feel like we, we all kind of connected pretty quickly. And uh, I think after our first, first service, uh, for, we, we keep mentioning Christian Ministry in the National Park for, for those of you who don't know. Um, a Christian Ministry in the National Park brings young adults into the National Parks to lead worship services uh, during the summer months. And so the, the three of us were responsible for leading a, a worship service every Sunday uh, at one of the, uh, the campgrounds. And so I think it was after our first service, we, uh, we dipped out for a hike altogether. Uh, and I think that was the moment where we all kind of really bonded and it was, uh, it was kind of an amazing thing. We all hiked at the same pace relatively, which it's kind of hard to find those kind of people, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, there's only like a select group. I I really like, if I like you and Jonathan are like the only two people that like, and, and Izzy too, but like, I mean, she wasn't there obviously. Um, it's like, when you're in these places and like you know you're looking for people to hike with like you learn like really quickly like who and like who you don't want to hike with yeah um, yeah i mean it, 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 takes, like, it takes it sounds kind of callous on a, a lot of times but there's just there's just you know when you're hiking when you're doing especially a long hike you you don't want to be someone who's not going to hike at your pace because it's just miserable you know they're either ahead right. of you or they're way behind you and there's like this weird obligation where you feel like you need to be together but you know, it's, it's, it's difficult because when you, when it comes to hiking, you know, interrupting momentum, interrupting pace, uh, can be a real killer in terms of the mood of the hike, uh, your energy levels, you know? So yeah, like you're saying, it's, it's hard to find those people. Yeah. Like it's, it's no disrespect to like not wanting to hike with people. It's just like, you know, yeah. Like, like you mentioned, like you want people that can go your pace and like, you know, you know, aren't going to like lag behind too much. And um, I, I remember like people even say, like, I think I maybe like ask people one or two times, like, Hey, you want to go hiking with us? And like, there were people that like, didn't want to hike with me or like, or me, you and Jonathan as a group, just because they knew how fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, and now that's like, yeah, it, it was, I mean, it was like, kind of the first time that I had run into people that, uh, enjoyed pain and suffering almost as much as I did, uh, when it came to <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you really got a point just because like, the amount of like, oh my gosh, if I had a dollar, Joe, for every time, like I wanted to like, you know, just collapse and, <laughs> you know, not go any further, like hiking with you or Jonathan, like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. But I mean, but yeah, I, being a challenge oriented person myself, like it was nice to like, you know, to push those limits. And I think that's like an important part for, um, those who like who work the parks and are in like a spot that um has access to like phenomenal hiking especially like in glacier and in our side of the park that we were on like Absolutely. like pushing your limits like i think is like fun like you get to see like how far you can go how fast you can go how like what you can do um that's like that's part of the reason why like i loved hiking like at that like faster pace oh absolutely there i think for 
for me, the um, the, I think the thing about the Grand Canyon, the, the, so I, I often come back to the, the what what is it about? You know, it's it's the people a lot of the times that you, you're you're interacting with. But for for me as well, the the Grand Canyon, I think so changed my life because I think it gave me a level of confidence that I've been missing for so long. Um, you know, when I first came to the Grand Canyon, I was pushing 330 pounds. I, I exercise just wasn't a part of my life at all. Um, I'd been a heavy smoker for a number of years. And so physically I just was in no place, um, to, to be proud of myself. Of. I just, I hated everything about kind of the way I looked, the way I felt all the time. And then after summer of working here and realizing kind of regaining a little bit of confidence of what I could do physically, uh, really pushing my, my limits, my boundaries of what was comfortable, um, what I thought was challenging. Uh, you know, after hiking a rim to rim here for the first time, I realized I am capable of so much more than, than what I thought I was. And so that really carried over for me in the summer of, of 2018 in Glacier, uh, hiking with you and Jonathan gave me so much more motivation to hike uh, because there were guys that were also willing to push themselves, you know, in front of me and behind me, you know, guys that, that were willing to push themselves, challenge themselves, challenge me. And it just, you know, yeah, there's something just so, I feel like formative in that um, really pushing what's comfortable um, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Um, I think is so important. It gives you so much more character not only on the trail doing difficult physical things, but also I think emotionally and mentally, you know, if you're, you're uncomfortable, right, yeah. you're, you're be, uh, comfortable being uncomfortable. You're able to, to accomplish so much more. So. Well, yeah. And it's like um, a term I learned early on because like I did, I participated in like, you know, Spartan races, yeah. a couple like endurance events that last like, you know, up to 24 hours. Um, Embrace the suck is a term that like rings very true. And I mean, for those who haven't experienced that or like gotten to that point of like testing themselves to where like you need to embrace the suck, um, I highly encourage you do it just because, yeah, I mean, like you said, like it's a confidence booster just to see like where you can take your body, like how you can push yourself because like you're testing those limits that like you never thought, like never even wanted to test or like thought you had it in you. And like that's the confidence booster in itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it just makes you so much more aware too that. Yeah, things things that you thought were impossible are, are totally attainable. You know, don't I mean like I if you had asked me five years ago, do you think you're capable of of hiking, you know, close to fifty miles in twenty four hours? I would have said not a chance, you know, not a chance in the world. And now if you ask me, could you do a hundred miles in twenty four hours? I'd say, Well, give me six months and yeah, I could probably do it. You know, that's I mean that's yeah, it's that's it's a it's a you, it's a mindset. It, it kind of I feel like it unlocks yeah so much potential for just like okay what what is possible what is impossible uh, and pushing that boundary. Hundred miles in twenty four hours. This is coming from the same guy that thinks it's possible to do all six of the two thousand foot <laughs> peaks in Glacier in twenty four hours in what, in a week. Yeah, six days, six peaks in six it's, days. I it's a logistical. It is. There, it man. is. The, stay tuned, folks. Uh, in the next two years, uh, I will become the first person <laughs> to summit all six 10,000-foot peaks in Glacier National Park in six days. I mean, if, if you do it, man, I will, I'll put my foot in my mouth and I'll, I'll shut up forever. 
accept the fact that like I I was wrong. <laughs> but uh, until that happens, I'm just gonna say it's just you know impossible. Okay, okay. Haters gonna hate, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so you um we we touched on like some similarities, like you touched on like obviously like the the demographic of like tourists and like the people as far as like from a guest and tourism perspective sure. like is vastly different like between parks um but as far as like on the employee side like what were some between working the grand canyon and then glacier like what are some uh common similarities that you noticed uh, between working at these parks like after your multiple seasons there similarities yeah uh so i've now worked two seasons in Glacier National Park, two summers uh, in Glacier National Park, and then three seasons at here at the Grand Canyon. Um, and as far as similarities, uh, there are definitely more similarities than there are differences. Um, similarities are, are, I feel like it, there's a, a commonality, especially um, because all of us work in, in service industry jobs. So there's that, that mindset, that orientation, um, I feel like there's an alert because of the, the location um, in a lot of ways. I feel like in both places you, you run into people um, who are, are looking for something different, an alternative to what we call the real world, you know, <laughs> uh, working uh, mm-hmm. a real, real adult jobs, um, living in cities and urban areas, paying rent, you know, the the day-to-day kind of grind the the people in both places in glacier here are are looking for something different uh there is that element of of of, you know working here that's a grind uh you know day in day out but the the living experience is so different um living in communal housing and you know in in dorms um at incredibly low prices uh eating horrible food uh in uh employee cafeterias um yeah, there's, there's definitely similarities there. Um, I think uh, in a lot of ways, people are looking for escapes too. There are things in their their everyday normal lives from wherever they're from that are, are challenging or difficult um, that people are, are looking to get away from. Um, it's, it's, we, we say it's easier to do life here in a lot of ways because things are simpler, you know. Um, you don't have the, the constant media bombardment. You don't have the, the distractions a lot of the times. Um, and you get to be in a, an incredibly beautiful place that's, that's healing in a lot of ways, getting to experience nature in such a close, intimate way. Um, but there are definitely differences as well. Um, I feel like that was probably your next question is how are they different? Um, yeah. Yeah. Go in touch with that. Uh, I feel like the, the biggest way is community wise. Um, there's definitely more of a sense of urgency. I feel like in Glacier. And it has to do with Glacier National Park is really only open to the public for, for 120 to 140 days out of the year. And so you have this influx of seasonal workers to Glacier uh, that get there and they, they're, they're making lists of things that they want to do before the summer ends and before they have to go to the next place. Whereas here at the, the Grand Canyon, there's a the difference in the sense of there is opportunity for year-round employment here. The, the park is open year-round. And so the the urgency isn't quite as immediate here um and that does i think at the canyon it 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 leads to some uh leads to some apathy in a lot of ways you know there's 
you know, always more time, I feel like, for people here. Um, whereas in Glacier, there's not enough time. And uh, that's that's one of the biggest, I think it culture-wise, it, it leads to a pretty big difference. I think people in Glacier are willing to to really, really go the extra mile to get to know other people, to, to experience as much as they can while they can. Um, yeah, certainly, certainly. Yeah, I mean, like those... Because rarely, rarely, or not too many parks are open year-round like the, the canyon. No. I know Death Valley is. Um, Yosemite is that one of them that's so open year-round? Yeah, too? Yosemite is, but it's a it's a different experience. In the because in the winter it's mostly skiing and and cross-country skiing. Right. Um, right. So it's a different, yeah, different different series of lodges are open in the the winters for sure. Uh, Zion's open year-round. Right. Um, you have a handful, you know, but especially you see parks up in the, the Northwest, especially, you know, come, come winter months there, everything kind of grinds to a halt and waits for spring to come. So. Yeah. And like, I mean, that's, that's a good word to use. Like just that sense of urgency to like, you know, you, you have one seasons, like, you know, to make it what you want it to make it to do the things that you want to do. And I feel like I, um, I feel like a part of me almost felt that urgency a little bit more the second summer in Glacier, just because like we had our initial first summer experience there. And then we come back and like, okay, here's what we want to do. Yeah. Like we want to do all these big, great things, hike these trails, like some of these peaks. And it's like, it's like, man, like your list just opens wide yeah, up because you, you didn't get to do well, that. And the they, yeah, there's all the things that you know about now that you wish you had done last summer. And it's just like, okay, these are the things that I want to do. So, yeah. And then if you're if you're like me, you get those you know those white whales like Mount Gould <laughs> that um, that just really just you know you you have to conquer. And uh, I mean, just to provide like a brief like explanation for what I'm talking about, Mount Gould um, is one of the uh, nine thousand foot peaks in the park, and um, most of the peaks in the park there, there's a whole we call it the Bible for like um, summiting uh, peaks in the park of Glacier. And, you know, Gould's one of them. And it's really, like, not a tough mountain to get up. I mean, it's tough in a sense, but, like, you know, it, I love the route in that. Yeah, easily. I mean, and like, it's, it's pretty um, once pretty easily up. accessed, too, in terms of, like, you don't have to go far to, to start climbing. You know, where some of the some of the peaks, you have to you have to hike a good ways to get to the, the, you know, the base of the mountain before you start climbing, so. Right. But, I mean, like, my first summer, like, trying to attempt that with uh, – max uh max bates and matt edwards we uh <laughs> we got caught in a, a lightning and hailstorm on haystack peak and um i'll save that entire story for another time in case i can get one of them on here to like kind of chat with me about that but uh we were trying to attempt ghoul that day and obviously we didn't get it and then i attempted it three separate times this past summer um and it wasn't until like that that fourth time that i finally got it when i led um, a few people up there, but it's, yeah, it's like, you know, that's that sense of urgency. Like you want to get those things done, either things that, you know, you didn't get, didn't get a chance to do the last time. And now you're back to doing yeah. again, or, certainly. you know, certainly. Like, it's just like a whole plethora of things that, you know, you add to a list of things that you feel like you need to accomplish. And four months is like, yeah, not yeah when you're, when you're working five, six days a week, you know, you have the off days to, to really get stuff done. And, a lot of the time we are waking up earlier on our off days to, to go hike than we are on days where we have to work. You know, it's, 
it's all about yeah capitalizing yeah. on the time but yeah man that's that's for sure um one thing i definitely want to touch on that like i don't think i've even really like chatted with you um about this much at all or like really dove into like your process behind it but i thought it'd be cool to kind of talking about um like writing in the parks because i know you're, mm, you're a big writer yeah. you um you're a big reader too and um, i'm kind of just interested like you know what got you like started in that writing process and like how has like working in these places like influenced your writing yeah yeah man that's a good question um so my mom's a uh, an english teacher first and foremost uh and so growing up, you know, we, we read a lot, you know, before we could watch TV, before we really could do anything, we had to read um, growing up. And so my brother and I just have this passion for, for stories and storytelling um, that's been passed along from, from my mom. And so when I was, I've always felt, I <laughs> it's kind of, it's a little morbid, but I, I feel like a lot of writers would, would kind of agree. I've always written best um when I'm incredibly depressed, which rhymed for some reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the right, that's the yeah, right. Yeah, there it is. Show. There it is. Um, and so there was a lot, there was a time in college when I was, I was struggling so much. Um, and so I was writing a lot in college and, and a lot of it was really dark and, and just kind of trying to figure out why I was struggling so much. Um, and then the first summer that I, I was here at the Grand Canyon, um, it just kind of unlocked this, this part of me that realized that I could, I could write well and not be depressed, <laughs> which, you know, it's kind of a, it's, it's, yeah, it was, it was a wake up call for me in a lot of ways. I was writing about kind of finding myself again and figuring out how to, to be happy again. And um, yeah, the parks is, it's definitely allowed me to, to, figure out the things that I care the most about in a unique way. Um, and a lot of that has been through self-reflection, through journaling and, and poetry. Um, but yeah, it, there's just something about feeling, you know, so small in the grand scheme of things, but also being able to explore and be a part of the places you're living. Um, that's really rewarding. And it, it, I feel like for me, it, it allowed me to, to tap into, uh, the creative side of me that, you know, I'd, I'd known for about for a long time, but uh, to write about things in a new way, in a new light, in a new tone, especially, um, that was, uh, was pretty liberating. Yeah, man, right, right on. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people that, um, you know, parkies or non-parkies, um, you know, they, they enjoy writing and um, maybe, you know, hit some mental blocks in writing because I know I've done that uh, being a, like a musician like writing songs and like, even like writing you know journaling or, or whatnot um, what would like you tell or like what kind of tips would you give people that like are you know have kind of like a a thing for writing or, or you know trying to hone in some like some writing in their own like while either in the national parks or like you know working in these types of environments like what kind of like you know I don't know, just kind of expand upon like, yeah. what you would tell them or like want to like relate to them about writing. Um, I think being able to uh, finding time is, is key is kind of, is kind of key. You have to, and a lot of times, especially in the parks, I feel like there's not a lot of time that you're, 
by yourself, not doing something, you know, like for me, like a lot of the alone time that I spend in the parks is hiking by myself. Um, so I feel like finding, finding time to, to write, but like, you also have to, you can't really force it either. I think for me, the, the times where I've written things that I, I really enjoy and the things that I, I feel like sharing with people are, are moments when I like am in a place and a time and just something just kind of really takes my breath away. And so I think putting yourself in the way of things that are going to give you inspiration, you know, you don't have to claw after inspiration, but you just have to just kind of put yourself out there. And for me, hiking, just being still being alone, uh, are, are two of those things. Um, some of the, some of the best things that I think I've ever written are were written in the lobby of the mini glacier hotel. Um, you know, just kind of tucking myself away in a corner and just sitting and watching people, um, sitting in a, a beautiful place and just letting, letting the inspiration kind of crash into me. Um, so yeah, I think it, it takes, takes some just knowing yourself and knowing where, what's going to inspire you. And then just getting in the way of that, just, you know, constantly sitting and, and waiting and, and then, yeah, putting pen to paper and seeing what comes out. Um, I think for me, the way that I write oftentimes is I find like like a, a key phrase or key, you know, hook that I, I want to build off of. And then I just go, you know, and, and see what happens. So. Yeah, man. And definitely agree with you on that, you know, that hotel lobby and the many glacier. Oh, lobby, that's an, that's it's a, an incredible spot. It's an incredible spot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's the atmosphere, especially like, um, the times I had to work overnight shift in that lobby, it was just so yeah, like, yeah, so nostalgic and like, you know, and yeah, yeah, um, dude. Yeah. There's something about night shifts, man. You know, I, I think back to college and I wrote a lot when I worked night audit and something about like the, the hours between like one and 4am, you know, when everything is just dead still and quiet. Uh, those are some, uh, those are some pretty unique hours, some pretty creative hours there. Yeah, man. I mean, half my work, you know, like doing or doing overnight shift when I was filling in uh, as assistant uh, guest service manager last summer, it was like, because I, I would get to work, get done to work like pretty quick. And then I had like a couple hours to chill before I had to do this other task. And half my work was like just keeping the fire yeah. going, yeah. And, like chilling by the fire, which was like just so, so peaceful, so calming, especially in that moment. So, but yeah, I mean, that's, I definitely agree with you. Like not having personal space um, often in the parks is a very common trait, especially when you're shoved in a room with three other yeah. dudes. Um, and like, I mean, it's like it's in and out all the time. And like, I mean, occasionally like there were the times like we had the room to ourselves, like for a good hour, two hours. Yeah. And then like, you know, it, it gets old after a while. And like, Plus, like, you know, that room smelt like ass almost hundred percent. You know, and I feel like we we all quick to pass, pass the blame on that, but I think it was all of us. You know, it was Cody, it was you, it was me, it was Eli, you know. I mean I mean between between that room and our dorm at the canyon, because like me you and I have lived together for practically almost yeah. a year and you know, gotten so used to each other, like between the room at the canyon and the room at Glacier. Like, which one do you think, like... Oh, the room at Glacier, 100%. 100% of the room at Glacier. 
Though I feel like I feel like I mean, the room that I'm living in now kind of gives that room a run for its money. So, yeah, really? it's it's kind of bad. We we have very poor ventilation. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, like that room that room in that canyon though. I think. I mean, I don't even want to know. Like, there's probably still there's probably still Brookside chocolate somewhere in there. Like, yeah, in the crash. <laughs> and, like, I mean, I really feel bad for like the the steamer, like Stanley Steamer, that came out there to clean that yeah. after we left. Like they had their they had their work cut out yep. for them, man. And um, I mean, the times we the sat, number of wings that we, we dropped on that floor in the ranch. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who do not know. Uh, some of the best wings that you'll ever eat are sold at the Maswick Pizza Pub at the South Rim of the Grand Canyon. So, so true. And if you're an employee, they are, it's it's 50% off yeah. wings and it's like five bucks for a dozen, which is a phenomenal Dude, really, steal. So like, I mean, there were yeah. days, there were days we ate two dozen, like on oh, separate, absolutely. separate occasions. Absolutely. You know, that's what I miss the most about the, everything being closed right now is the wings. Oh, I'm sure. I'd be. I would be feeling the same thing, especially when we started just like looking forward to the uh, the special sauce. Oh yeah, day. absolutely. Sean Evans, if you ever stumble across this, you need a guest on Hot Ones. Hit me up. I'm I'm ready. <laughs> okay. All right. So that there's your plug. There's your plug. <laughs> oh my god. All right. So I think you know these last like few minutes here. Um, I don't want to keep you too too long but i think it'd be cool just to share some like some funny happy sad or like you know just interesting experiences either like we've shared together or like just as individuals like in our times in the parks um so i think it'd be funny to start out with like you know what are our like top like moments that we can remember like of each other so like um like i'll I'll start out with you so like i know like my top three like oh gosh um, three. I would have to say that time you blew out the tires of my car. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. Uh huh. I mean, <laughs> I mean, as as like frustrated as I was, like I look back on it now and I just laugh because like the circumstances could not have been more yeah, funny. Yeah. Oh man, that was a long, um, long ass day, dude. Oh my gosh! I mean, so like just so people know, back uh, back in November. 2018 i had just moved out to the canyon and was living with joe and we had some uh friends from glacier come and visit us they flew out and they slept on our floor and um unfortunately i had to work so i couldn't take part but they were going to do um rim to rim um a few of them so to do that one of our friends who had their car with her she drove her everyone else up to the north rim to drop off her car and start from the north rim and hike back to the south so they did that and then um, Joe didn't have a car at the time, so he I let him use my car quite often, and I let him borrow my car to take my friend, <laughs> our friend that dropped her car off at the North Rim, um, to take her back up. Shout to out Kayla Manis and Kayla Manis, you 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 did it, gal. You, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, so Joe took Kayla up there to get her car back, and he was heading back here. And inadvertently, he, um, a deer ran out onto the road as he was going like 70, 80 miles per hour. Cause that's how the speed limits are out yeah. in the, uh, the wide open yeah. up there. 
And um, he swerved to miss the deer. Miss the deer. Miss uh, the deer. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great skill <laughs> there. But uh, he ran off the road and then blew um, both of my right side tires out yeah. of the car. <laughs> and I was at work at the on the evening shift. Oh, like, man. At, like, it was right after busy time of check-in. And I get this call. And um, I think one of the first, like, words you said is, like, hey, Dalton, like, you know, just – just hear me out on this. It's not as bad as it seems. <laughs> and I'm like, what happened? And you told me like, like, hey, like I blew out tires in your car. I, I almost hit a deer, but like I didn't hit the deer. Yeah, I think I, I think I tried to emphasize that like three or four times. I'm like, the car could have been totaled, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so yeah, there, yeah, that was that story. Oh there. man, wasn't it? That's wasn't in. It was that same weekend too. You got uh, yeah. I got a ticket, ticket in uh, in Flagstaff for running a red light. Oh yeah. So that weekend, that See, weekend like, alone it, cost me nine hundred dollars because it was it was from where I was on the North Rim. It was a six hundred dollar tow to get it to the nearest tire shop. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's, that's just it's, it's so great. It's so funny. I love I love just like you know bringing it up. Oh man, yeah. Um. I'd say like Joe moment two, um, when we were on, I think it was the name of the camp campground was uh, Flat oh, Top, gosh. yeah. Um, during our uh, our fifty mountain uh, yeah. escapade, and you know we had gotten up to eat breakfast and we were just like destroyed because this hike just like we were not prepared at all. Um, that's the story for another time, but um this is our last day and we had 14 miles to go to get back to the going to the sun road to get a ride back to the hotel and we got up had our breakfast and we were going to tear down but like guys like let's just take like an hour nap and like you know take our time so we take our nap and for anyone that knows joe like or doesn't know joe joe's sleeping schedule is something truly to behold um (laughs) i i really don't know what kind of sleep cycle he's on but it's not consistent and (laughs) It's just fascinating. Um, <laughs> but anyway, like Jonathan and I, um, our buddy Jonathan and I, we woke up and we're getting like kind of packing up. And Joe, here's Joe in his tent. Like he's got his uh, his buff over his eyes and he's holding his um, water bladder hose in his mouth, but he's holding it up with his hands. So he's laying down with it in his mouth. And he's got like his mouth half open with the nozzle like in his mouth, and like we're he's just he is out. And like Jonathan, and I got like a quick video of it, and it's just like one of those those little like funny like joke moments of like uh, behold, mountain man. Yeah, yeah. Priorities, man. Priorities. And, priorities. Yeah, absolutely. Hydration um, to sleep. And I say like <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. Um, and I'd say like. This isn't really like a moment because like this kind of happened multiple times, but um, dude, the way you slept through that train <laughs> the canyon is like <laughs> um, you know, truly something like incredible. Um, the uh, the Grand Canyon has the uh, Grand Canyon Railway that runs from Williams into the uh, the canyon itself, the Grand Canyon Village at the South Rim, and um, during peak season, like two trains are coming in, and the first train comes in like quarter of twelve in the afternoon, and our dorm was right next to the train tracks. So like you, obviously you cannot miss the sound of this train or like rattling the building, but Joe somehow managed to sleep through it all. Yeah. And 
which is super impressive. So I gave him the uh, the Indian name Sleeps Through Train. Yeah, yeah. Been known to go by uh, Sleeps um, Through Train. Yep. Sleeps Through Train, yep. Um, so those are like my, my top moments that I, I, <laughs> I really enjoy and like think back on. Um, but I'm curious to see like what like what moments of me like really like stood out to you over the Man, years. put me on the spot. Uh, I'd say <laughs> I'd say solid number three is definitely rim to rim to rim. Uh, the the moment you came into Indian Gardens and uh, your voice cracked and uh, I thought I was like oh boy here we go here we go. <laughs> um, I'd say number two is is just like the backpacking trips that we've done together. You know, um, mm-hmm. amen. That I remember the the yeah, fifty mountain escapade. Uh, it was the uh, the. F- second morning where we woke up at uh Mokawanis and uh your sleeping pad <laughs> deflated <laughs> it deflated the night, the night before, before and like was... you were just suffering man like <laughs> 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 oh man and then uh I was you or Jonathan started throwing rocks at my tent um I think it was yeah, Jonathan. Yeah, was but Jonathan. that morning was like you were especially surly, like you were sore. Um, and then we were hiking up uh, Stony Indian, and uh, you were in front of me, and I was behind you, and we were just like, we were dogging it. Oh, we were legging it up. And we get about like, <laughs> oh, probably a quarter mile from the top, and you just turn around and look at me. You're just like, just keep going. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I, no, I remember. I was like, this is epic, too. <laughs> And I was like, I was like, oh boy, I was like, I don't know if Dalton's gonna be all right, but I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, number one, um, probably walking into Upper Dorm and smelling a fart in the hallway, being like, <laughs> Dalton was here and he's had a huckleberry mocha this morning. And sure enough, walked into the room. I'm just like, you had a huckleberry mocha, didn't you? And you're like, yep. How do you know? I was like, because I can smell it. <laughs> oh my gosh for those of you that don't know i am definitely lactose intolerant but i ignore it on a regular yeah. basis and much to the chagrin of if you ever get chance, anybody that lives with him <laughs> i feel bad for my future wife whenever that happens because she is gonna get yeah you know, she's got a life it's not gonna last man she's her. gonna put you on lactate pills <laughs> oh my gosh but yeah i mean Huckleberry Mocha's from the Heidi's Coffee Shop in the Many Glacier Hotel. Bless up. <laughs> Bless up. Amen. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, off the top of my head, those are the three things that really come to mind. Uh, but, I mean, there's so many more, you know? I, oh, my gosh, yeah. I remember uh, I remember you chucking your, uh, I think it was your one of your business books across the room, uh, being really frustrated about school. Uh Oh yes, it was a textbook. Yeah, just chuck up, chucked a textbook across the room. Um, I remember all the days that you would uh, you'd go out to St. Mary to do do homework and stuff for school. Uh, I don't know. I just, bro. I think when I look at the last three years, you're one of the friendships I'm most thankful for. So, oh, dude. I mean, for sure, man. Like, especially with like with you and Jonathan. Like, I've never connected with you know, people so quick and like so intensely than I I have with you guys. And like, these are like, you know, these are the friendships that are going to last like forever. And like, um, 
that I'm definitely like truly grateful for. Um, it sucks like I'm not out there with you. I wish I could be. And, like we tried, uh, tried planning on it in some capacity, and you know we still joke like this is the longest we've gone without seeing each other. I know. So I know. Um, I'm really hoping I can get up to if you're still if you're still end up going up to Glacier, if I can get up there, get out there, and you know hang out with you guys for a few days just to visit and see that beautiful place once more yeah. and like reconnect. And um, but yeah, man, it's uh, we could literally sit here and talk all day about like the past like two years of like nonsense like craziness happiness sadness that we've like experienced together but i mean through it all man like you know i'm so grateful for it all for you you izzy jonathan like everybody that that i've met in these parks and you know like i love you like a brother man that's like that's for sure yeah and i feel like you're in a it's it's gonna be a reoccurring thing on the podcast i feel like it's it's a lot it's gonna be a lot of emphasis on the people a lot of emphasis on the relationship but i think everybody's gonna have a little bit of a different spin on on kind of what what park life what park people mean to to them so yeah yeah that's um that's what i'm most interested in is just to hear like different people's perspectives like on their experiences um hoping to get like you know maybe even people that i've never met that work in the park circuit to kind of hear like even more perspectives and sure. like just open up about sure. that. And um, I think we're going to like uh, eventually get, get to some episodes where I talk about like specific topics, like um, mental health in the national parks, yeah. like why you're working there um, music and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, I think, um, I mean, the possibilities are kind of like endless right now that I can think of as far as um, what to talk about and like who to get on here and share. Sure. sure. Man, man. Well, Joe, it is, always great to hear your voice um like i said i wish i could see you see your big beard see your big sexy <laughs> self um <clears throat> but um yeah i mean that's I, I thought this went well it was great to have you on here thanks again for, for sure. being my uh, my test subject and um taking the time uh i don't know what you got planned for the rest of the day but um i mean i'm off today the weekend we can hook up for some uh some yeah, some more later or something yeah, like that sounds good. Sounds yeah good. man uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug myself real quick. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Koning Joseph K O N I N G Joseph. If you want pictures of the national parks, uh, pictures of the Grand Canyon while it's closed. Do it. Mountains, mountains on of uh, Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my guy. Oh, Love you. Be good. So guys, that was my good buddy Joe. It was super awesome to hear from him. I love that guy to death. And he is, like I said, he's a brother to me. And keeping up with him is always an adventure in itself. So I hope I get to see him soon. And I just hope he's doing well along with all of my other park friends out there. Um, I can't thank you guys enough for those who took the time to listen to this podcast and hear it all out. Um, I can't thank you enough for support and feedback. And I hope you guys got a kick out of some of the stories we told and also got some perspective on to our experiences that we've had in our park life. And maybe you've heard a thing or two that um, is new to you and you might want to dive deeper into or think about more that you haven't thought of. And that's what this podcast is all about. So again, super thankful for everyone that decided to take their time in and listen to this podcast. Um, I don't know who's going to be on the next episode yet, but I am lining people up and we're going to have some more good conversations on here. So I'm going to be sharing this podcast on a couple of social media groups. So when I do, if you have any questions or want to message me about possibly like 
some topics on the podcast or even getting on the podcast to speak with me, that would be awesome. I would love to hear from you guys. Um, Just go ahead and message me on my personal Facebook page. You'll see it once I post the link in the groups. But uh, for now, that's all I got, guys. And I cannot wait for episode two. And I will announce when that's coming out whenever I get that lined up. But for now, this has been me, my buddy Joe. And thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Parkies podcast.